Push past the barriers in the business of woodworking. Welcome to the Push Through Podcast. Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Good morning. How are you? Good, good morning. I am uh, a little tired, but yes. uh, it's just, it's Friday. The week, the week goes as the week goes. Yes. <laughs> Friday, we are um, planning on working Saturday because it's Monday's Labor Day, so it's only realistic, you know, reasonable to work, you know, Saturday, uh, so you can take off Monday. But we're we're just putting in a few hours, so we're it's uh, really busy right nice. now. So we're just uh, trying to trying to stay ahead of it. Good stuff. Good good stuff. And do you do overtime for that Saturday? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, gotcha. we. Definitely yeah. do overtime for that. So, yeah, um, yeah, big Labor Day plans. None at all. Just gonna try to uh, break in the new pizza oven, and I also got a new uh, <laughs> pellet smoker here recently. So I've got kind of a got kind of a weekend of just cooking and eating. Is basically what it's all about on Labor Day, isn't it? <laughs> it's not. It's the whole reason why you get into cabinetry is to make pizza. Right. Well, it is, and I, I mean, I what, what really what I'm doing is trying to restrain myself from talking about pizza so much, so people don't think that I only do pizza. You know that I do cabinets on the side <laughs> of pizza. So, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited for Labor Day weekend. It's uh, pretty close to my birthday, so we're celebrating birthday this weekend, and that'll be fun to get together with some friends. Very nice. Um, but. Yeah, what's the best thing you've seen this week? Um, I would say that we, uh, you know, recently or just here in the last couple of days, we we went and got a ping pong table. The boys have, my, I've got two sons, and one of their buddies has a ping pong table, and boy, they've been talking me into it for a while. So we finally went and got one, and been been playing a bunch of ping pong this week. So that's that's probably about the best thing I've seen. Good about stuff. you? Yeah, I love ping pong. But, oh yeah. Uh, I'd play all the time. I remember I got one in high school and I was just, that's what I did every weekend. Oh yeah. Um, man, best thing this week, um, that I've seen probably two things. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a basketball fan, but I'm not like crazy. Like I'll watch the thunder cause you were here in Oklahoma, but I'm not going to really watch unless it's like the NBA finals. I'm not really going right. to watch many of the other teams. Yes. With, Basketball really being the only thing on right now, I've watched like almost every single game, and I've act- the games have actually been like really good and like close, and I've really enjoyed it. So um, that's definitely one. Um, another one though is iCamper. camper. Um, I don't know how much you know about rooftop tents, but they're basically the these hard shell tops that are probably like ten inches tall that go on top of the roof of your truck or your SUV right, right. and on your roof rack and then uh, they pop up into a tent and this eye camper is pretty legit and uh, pops up into a tent in like one minute it's set up and you're, it's oh, got nice. a mattress in there and everything and oh, uh, cool. yeah I'm actually going to be going camping in a couple weeks so I, nice. uh, I just got one and I'm super pumped about it that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. So, anyways, that's those are the best. That's the best thing I've seen this week. So, for sure. Um, yeah, we're continuing today, continuing the um, the 
Grow Past Your Threshold series. Yeah. Um, and today we're talking about, you know, that 500,000 to a million, um, mm -hmm. where I think there's quite a bit of shops that are in this stage. For sure. Um, and yeah, we're going to kind of talk about, talk about how to identify this threshold and, you know, what are the, the big barriers and probably the best way that you, best ways that you can push past them and move through this threshold. So yeah, do you remember it, what this was like whenever you were? I do because we, we spent a lot of time in this threshold. I mean, a lot of time on several, several years, in fact. And, and it was also a tough time because we, we started hitting this threshold or close, you know, we was in that 750 to 800,000 range for several years. And a lot of that came from, you know, we kind of got to that threshold right around the time the recession came. So we just kind of hovered there for a few years, you know, through the recession and, and rebounding through the recession and all that good stuff. Cause we got hit really hard on that. And so once we started actually growing again, we, we got bumped up there to probably 850,000, got really close. And, and basically starting that next year out, we, um, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but starting that year out, we was rolling pretty good into the year and about halfway through the year, we was a little ahead of where we was the year before. And then come about October, November, we really saw that it was going to be a reality. So we started putting together a plan of, you know, it was always our goal, but we really started putting together a plan of, okay, here's how much work we got to do every day. Here's how much work we got to do to get, you know, to that mark of a million dollars. And it was, it became important, not just to myself as the business owner, but it also became important to everybody in the shop. So, you know, as that plan became realistic in November, like we really saw, Hey, we, we not only can do this, we've got enough work in the hopper that it's, if, as long as we can produce, we can make it happen. So everybody was on board. Yeah. There was really, I, I do remember one thing. There was, there was no incentive given to the shop for making that mark. It wasn't something that I said, you know, I'll give everybody a bonus or something like that. It really, it really just became, right. um, it really just became about the shop getting over this threshold and everybody wanting to do that. So it was pretty cool. And yeah. the end of that year, we hit, we hit almost right on the nose, 1.1 million. And, um, and it was literally right in the last couple of weeks of the year that we hit it. And I kind of, mm -hmm. we normally take off that last few days of the year. So everybody in the shop was bought into the point where they didn't care if they had to you know, come in that last week, we would do it, but we actually was able to take it off wow. like normal and we hit it. But yeah, I, I remember it being a pretty cool time there for those last few weeks. And it was, it was really neat uh, to, to hit that mark and then just, you know, and then beat it a little bit. It was, it was really cool. It was, it was definitely a highlight of our year and it was just kind of a great way to end the year. And it kind of just gave me per mm -hmm. some perspective of that, you know, we can actually set goals and meet them. So it was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. And how many, how big was the team back then? From memory, I think total, there was seven of us, um, somewhere around there, seven, maybe eight. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was somewhere right in that area. Cool. 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 So, you know, identifying this threshold, Real quick, I'm going to run through all of them, right? We've talked about in the last episode, uh, just that zero, we kind of combined the 250 to 500 with the zero to 250. So really zero to 500. 
even though those two stages are a little different. Yeah. And this threshold is 500 to a million. In the next episodes, we'll be doing, um, you know, one to two and, and two to five. So uh, the last one, a lot of the things that we talked about, you know, in the zero to 500, you're having, you know, mistakes in quality and design. You've got no bookkeeping, um, no financial statements that are accurate. Um, yeah. No, no software for your, for designs or for drawings. Probably you have a yes man mentality where you're just taking on everything you can. Uh, there's no sales process in place. It's all word of mouth and there's just no predictability to it. Um, there, you, there's, you never do a good job of telling bad news, uh, to right. customers. And then there's also not really a vision in place. The vision is the next set of cabinets, yeah, <laughs> or right. the next job. And so as we go into this next one, you know, you are, I mean, this is when you really do start to feel like this is bigger than yourself, right? For sure. And, I mean, that's where um, that's where it gets to real quick. Yeah. What do you think it is that it makes it to where, wow, like this is a big ordeal. Like there's a lot of stress that comes with that too. Like what, it, maybe talk yeah, about what me, you felt. Like I said, yeah, you for me, like I that. said, we got stuck in that threshold for a long time. And for, for me personally, it was just the fact that I was, I was kind of burning both ends of the candle every day, every night, you know, and it was just, there was no more I could give physically, mentally, anything. There was just no more I could give. And once it got to that point, it started making me realize like, this is not, this isn't sustainable. And since I had already been at the thresholds kind of below this, I knew that it wasn't sustainable down there for me to like reduce the amount of work because you know, you, you kind of, if you're not growing, you're dying kind of mentality. So, um, I knew that there was a threshold there because I was just me personally, yeah. I was just absolutely maxed out. Right. And I think that's usually what, what happens. I mean, whenever you start growing a business and you have, you start having, you know, if you're wearing all of the hats, it just becomes something that like, eventually there is a breaking point. Oh yeah. You just, and you it, can't handle you it have anymore. to have people that can help you through that for sure. Yeah. Um, which, you know, kind of comes up with one of the other identifiers is just hiring issues. Um, because when you, you, when you are getting that big and you know, you're, you've got the, the money in the bank to be able to actually hire somebody now and you know, you need the work yep. now it's like a whole nother job basically of finding the right people finding the right people uh, yeah because it's it's tough you're starting to you know culture is one of those things that if you don't define it or you don't you know uh build it yourself it's it you're gonna have a culture so um if you if you're not careful about how you hire um like for me i i was really bad in that phase of just kind of hiring a heartbeat you know we needed a position first person to kind of show up hmm. you know that would kind of knock on the door to fill that position, we would kind of take them. And that's tough because you're just kind of taking whatever comes in. And, you know, now we've, we've fixed a lot of those problems through how we hire and, um, you know, with working interviews and several things like that. And, uh, it's just, you know, and, and also getting into a better, I don't know how to word this correctly, but, you know, basically getting into a little bit higher paid employee to where you're not looking for just the, minimum wage or, yeah. you know, beginner employee type thing. So it's, it's, it's a definitely a jump, but once you make it, uh, definitely don't regret, you know, going down that road of paying a little bit more up front 
and, and getting a, a better crop of, of employees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, people matter so much and I mean, you don't just choose anybody to be your friend. Right. Um, obviously yeah. you want to have the same set of values. You want to have something in common. You want to, you know, there's an understanding with your friends. Um, and I mean, if you're going to spend your, not only your money, but your time with somebody and, um, you know, invest in them. I mean, you are who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And if you're spending a lot of time in the shop, I mean, same thing goes to for your employees because it affects your culture, affects, you know, everything about your work, the quality of your work, how, how things are handled, the implementation sure. of your processes, everything. Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, I, I know that for a lot of business owners, this is really where you get to see somebody who's created a, is creating a business versus creating a job. Yeah. And, um, a big reason for that is I think micromanagement. Um, did you have any tendencies with micromanagement during this stage? Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I was one of the worst offenders, you know, I was, I was kind of one of those guys that had to keep an eye on everybody and everything. And, you know, they would get done with one activity and I'd tell them what to do next. And it was, you know, I was the worst when I was out on that shop floor, there was no trust or very little trust. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just more of me, um, kind of ramrodding the whole deal and, um, just kind of pushing people where I wanted them when I wanted them, you know, and that's, it's no way to run a business, but I mean, it happens so much because we kind of get in our head or at least me, you know, I got in my head as an owner that yeah. I'm the only one that could do it and I'm the only one that could do it right. And so that, yeah. that was my thought process. You know, if, if I'm the only one that could do it right, then I might as well just tell people what else to do. And it's just, it's just not the case. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just not the case that it's not really that way. If it is that way, then you don't have the right employees. That's all there is to it. If, if you have to tell those people to do every little thing, then you don't have the right employee in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, it's the reason why it's so difficult is because you basically have had to have that role of, I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily micromanagement if you don't have a lot of people underneath you, but you had to wear every hat to make, to get to this point. Oh yeah. Um, because you weren't, you know, funded with a bunch of capital no, we to be like able a to start tech startup off or on the right like foot. That, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you, you have to start where you're doing everything. And then it's kind of like this paradigm shift when it's like, okay, now you need to stop doing everything. Yeah. Um, so it is very, very difficult and, it, it just causes us to, you know, overwork in the business and not as much on it because every single moment that you're spending micromanaging an employee and doing everything on the shop floor is a moment that you could have spent working on the business. Yeah. And that's you know, a big difference, uh, right? Developing your systems and processes, working on hiring better people, uh, developing your culture, getting your books right. I mean, just yeah. on and on and on. Um, so it, it definitely is a, a mindset shift and it's hard because you, there are, it's not like it's a, okay, today I stopped micromanagement. It's, yep. it kind of bleeds over and yeah. So going through this threshold, what, you know, if, as you look back, what are, what are your like top three things, um, that you would tell somebody, uh, going through this stage right now? 
Well, like, um, basically we would, you know, looking back at it, um, I, I would say that my first thing that I started doing was, you know, like trying to plan to get past this thing was, is I realized that I have to start firing myself. Essentially, I have to find what's holding me back the most from working on the business and kind of fire myself from that activity. And, and I've said it before in our articles and things like that, but for me, it was like the table saw and, you know, several activities on the shop floor, cutting parts. And so you have to get to that point where you can actually fire yourself from those activities. And probably even more important than that, um, is, is finding a right hand person. And, and for me, you know, I gotta give a, a big shout out to, to Britain. He's been my right hand person since, 2006 or seven, you know, I mean, he's, he's been, great. he's, yeah, he started out with, you know, got him right out of tech school. He was going to be a body man and he, uh, you know, like, uh, paint and body. And he realized that he didn't want to do that, but you know, he wanted to work in a trade. So we had a, uh, <clears throat> position open and he used to help me on the table saw. He would catch, catch the boards for me. Didn't, you know, had never read a tape measure in his life. Uh, never done anything like that. And he, <laughs> he just jumped right in and wanted to learn. And he's been, and he's still like that to this day. He's always wanting to learn and improve himself. So big shout out there. I mean, he was, he's, he's been a great, uh, right hand person and, and, and it's worked out really great. So, um, and then the yeah. third one is kind of like, you know, we talked earlier in the, in the thresholds about, um, in one of the earlier ones about how we're kind of, when we're starting out, growing we're kind of a yes person or a yes business and we just say yes to whatever comes to the door and i think to really long term move past this you've got to get past that stage of being a yes person you've got to define what you're good at and start going down the path of getting better at that niche or, or whatever it is that you're good at so for us right. for us at the time that we was doing this um we knew that we was really good at pre-finished cabinets this was kind of before we started doing components, but at the time we was really good at pre-finished cabinets and that's kind of what we honed in on. And, and we stuck with that for, for a lot of years. And, um, that got us out of that, you know, cause then it was really easy to say no, because we was like, no, that's not really what we do. We don't do that type of cabinet. We don't do that furniture or whatever anymore. So, um, you know, we kind of honed in on what we were good yeah. at. Those are really good. And I'd love to dive into those a little bit deeper, like, you know, firing yourself. It, it even seems like a easy concept, but I know it's extremely difficult. It is. What, you know, what it, would you say a good process is for firing yourself? I know that you've done, you fired yourself from a, a large amount of things yeah. um, where you don't even really step on the shop floor too often anymore. No, um, other than just to kind so of look for improvements. What is your things? process for firing yourself? You know, mainly yeah. or basically it's um, basically for me, it's I know that I need to fire myself from something when my plate is getting so overwhelmed that I don't have time to do business stuff or, you know, work on the business. You know, usually when that's my kind of indicator is when I'm just busy with things, whatever those things are. Um, lately for me, it's getting it's been, a you know, I do my own accounting and it's getting to that point where it's starting to get a little burdensome. So right now I'm actually in the middle of figuring out how I'm going to fire myself from accounting. And it's, it's going to be a long process because I'm not only just want, I don't want to just turn an accountant loose or a bookkeeper loose. I want to set up systems and, sure. KPI, you know, I want to set up systems and KPIs within my accounting that 
I'll have a constant barometer on the business and it'll also have some built-in kind of fraud protection because there's a lot of companies I've, I've read that are in the zone that I'm in that kind of get hit by a pretty good little bookkeeping fraud or something like that, a little extortion. And, and mm-hmm. I, so that I don't right now, I'm the only one that has access to them. So I know that can't happen, but eventually I've got to get over that. So, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of how I gauge when I know I need to fire myself. It's basically, I'm too busy with something that's holding me back from working on the business. That's, that's the big red light. And then from there, I start really assessing the steps that it would take. Like, what do I do to do this activity that's holding me back? You know, so I, and I, and I physically write these down, you know, like, um, write down the individual steps that are, (laughs) it takes to do these, uh, do this process. So that's basically like the beginning of my SOP. And after I got that SOP kind of figured out and honed in, then I start delegating that out, you know, little bit by little bit. And, and back when I first started doing this process, my delegation was just like, here, you take this and throw it on somebody. Well, they don't have all the information or the tools necessary to do it because I've been doing it for a while and they haven't been doing it at all. So, you know, I was kind of out of the frying pan into the fire type person. And now I'm more like, let's lay the, lay the uh, foundation and the road work to whenever they (laughs) start getting that, you know, getting that, um, when they start learning that process, they'll have all the tools they need to just continue right down the road. Like I was. So, um, much, much easier. It's much easier to delegate that way when you just kind of do it in little, little bits and pieces. Yeah, for sure. That's good. Um, I mean, I mean, I think everybody can have their own process, but I think the, a good way to gauge it is what you said, you know, just gauging how overwhelmed and stressed and how, yeah, how full your plate is. Yeah. Um, and then trying to figure out what those bottlenecks are for you. Um, I think is a really good thing. And, um, yeah, I think at the same time, it's a good, it's a good gauge for just, Hey, do we need to hire another employee? Like, is this employee overwhelmed because there's too much on their plate? Right. Um, it's pretty good gauge for, for what, um, for when it's a good time to hire, when it's a good time to fire yourself as well. So, yeah. So that's a good um, point talking about the employee that gets overwhelmed. Cause we're going through that right now with Britain he's getting to the point where he's overloaded and overwhelmed. And, and I've, yeah. I've actually spoke with him about it yesterday. And I said, Hey, you need to start listing out the things that are overwhelming you and overloading you. And we need to start learning how to figure out how to delegate that out to either another employee, or maybe we need to hire somebody, but we're going actually going through that. And this will be the first time we've actually gone through this, this firing yourself um, steps with somebody other than myself. Yeah. Well, it's important. And I have to do it with my team all the time. Um, cause we try to operate lean and, um, you know, people will get overwhelmed. <laughs> I mean, that's just the nature of it and it's very important. And I think that's a, that's a big step and honestly a really fun one. I'm sure it has been for you too, because oh, yeah. you really feel like you're able to help somebody and it show that you really care about them by saying, Hey, like, let's get that off your plate. I mean, you feel like you're not the savior necessarily, but you feel like you're a a huge help to them and you're able to really take that burden off of them, especially when it's someone like Britain, uh, a right-hand man who's done so much for you. Like you just want to, you know, do as much as you can for him. 
Um, so yeah, that's great. And with your, I want to, this is one that I think a lot of the people in this stage are probably really more so, um, going to be focused on if they don't already have it is a, is finding a right-hand man. Yeah. What did you, I mean, obviously I know that you had to groom Britain, um, but that he had that mentality. So like, talk about the attributes that you, that you wanted in a right-hand man, uh, even more of so hindsight, I'm sure you didn't. Yeah. Really it's know all hindsight. Right I wasn't, moment, yeah. Right at the man. moment I wasn't, you know, I wasn't knowingly developing that, but you know, back looking back on it, those, those attributes are pretty easy to spot, you know, and the biggest attribute of that is going to be somebody that's driven similar to you are, how, how you are as an owner. So, you know, we can never expect as an owner for our employees to be as engaged in our company as we are, because it's our, it's our deal. You know what I mean? It's, we own it, but you can't, you can never expect your employees to be as invested in your business as you are. But if you can find one that's invested in the vision, um, that, that understands where you're going, um, that, that's a key indicator right there that you've got somebody on your hands that, you know, wants to be more than just maybe a labor or whatever. And like I said, when, when, when we hired him, it was just in a labor capacity, you know, just, Hey, I need help catching boards. And that's what it was. And then every time I would step away from the right. saw to take a telephone call, uh, who calls it telephone anymore? <laughs> Anytime I would <laughs> step away from the, uh, from the saw to take a phone call, you know, he would grab the cut list. Uh, he grabbed the cut list off the saw and he'd try to cut a couple boards while I was gone. And then, you know, then it just kind of gradually grew and into something. And, you know, anytime you have somebody like that, that's trying to take work off your plate or um, trying to learn and make themselves better right there, you've got a pretty good indicator that you've got somebody that could be a t- potentially be a lead person. <clears throat> um, and another attribute is how they yeah. interact with other employees. Like, you know, cause some people that are driven can also be, um, kind of negative Nancy about everything, you know, so they can be kind of mm-hmm. hard on other employees. They can be, um, so you gotta be careful about the kind of driven or in my, in, in my instance, that just doesn't fit with the culture that I want to, that I want to grow. So I'm right. You know, I, I like somebody that's all about business and just, you know, down to the point and, you know, doesn't beat around the bush, that kind of stuff. I love that kind of mentality, but you, you can also, if you're not careful, a lead person, can be kind of uh, on a pedestal or something to look down at everybody. And that's definitely not the kind of person that I was looking for. So I think if you can find that attribute of driven, passionate, but also good with people, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good duo right there that goes together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think for the most part, um, you know, what I look for in a, a right-hand man is definitely being able to, um, someone who can teach. I know that's a kind of a weird thing, but, um, if somebody is able to teach something to another employee, Mm -hmm. to a customer or whatever it is, uh, we work with a lot of clients. So, you know, I have to make sure that they can teach something to a client. Um, it just means that they have listened really well in that they have filled in the gaps by themselves uh, because that's what you have to do when you teach. You have to pull from what you know and what you've learned. And then what you don't know, what you learned, you have to be able to identify 
so that you can go and learn on your own, fill in the gaps and then go teach. And so I think that's one of the, the, the best attributes of a, of a right-hand man is if they're going to be able to teach somebody, then that means they're going to be able to learn from you. And then they're going to be able to do it by themselves and eventually create systems and processes. Um, so, um, all right. Well, the third point you said, don't be a yes person. Um, and we've mentioned this in the other ones and it's honestly just consistent for a while in business, but, um, yeah, what, how did you determine that you guys were the best at pre-finished cabinets and that's what you wanted to focus on? What talk about the difficulties of that, you know, the steps you went through all those things. Well, really, you know, we just, uh, it became to a point where, um, it just came to a point where we was doing one day we may be doing uh, an unfinished cabinet. The next day we may be doing a pre-finished cabinet. The next day we may be doing a, a piece of furniture. The next day we may have been doing trim or, or some kind of custom project. And it just became apparent real quick that, well, if I can go over here and build a whole set of pre-finished cabinets for that are worth X dollars and it takes three days, you know, but it takes five days to build this piece of furniture that I'm going to make a thousand bucks on or whatever. Um, it just became apparent to us like what we were good at. And, and it, a lot of it was just kind of a pride issue getting over it because at the time I was still very much so just a carpenter. You know, I liked doing those custom project. I liked doing the furniture, you know, I liked doing that, but it just bogged the whole shop down to the point where we just couldn't be productive. So for us being a yes person, you know, it just became, it was more of a personal deal for me where I just couldn't, you know, I just had to start saying, no, I'm, you know, I'm not the spot for you on that piece of furniture. I'm not the spot for you on that custom piece of molding or whatever. You know, I'm just kind of a, you know, I need to, <laughs> I need to just do what I'm good at and then pass that along. So I, I did do a pretty good job of having a few other places that I could send customers. So I wasn't just giving them a hard no. Um, and, and that, that seemed to work. It's like letting them down softly. Cause there's a lot of people who are like, man, I really heard you built furniture and you built good furniture. Well, we did but we just weren't very good at it. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, I think that that probably resonates with a lot of people. And I think the issue is you, you really feel like you need the cash flow from some of those jobs and the sales from oh, some of those jobs, but you've, you've got to take your mind off of sales and start looking at profit. Um, yeah. And this is, you know, I've got, I've got three points and we won't go nearly as deep as we did for you, but this bring comes up to my first one is just increasing your prices. Um, you know, for a lot of people, they're so focused on sales and they don't think about their margins, um, as much. And so they just start trying to crank out work. Well, if your margins are not right, which I would say a majority of the businesses in this threshold aren't their margins are not, uh, good enough, not high enough. Right. Exactly. You are just creating really big problems for you. Like you're not going to be able to hire good people because you can't afford it. Um, you are going to be constantly stretched and your team is going to be overwhelmed because you're doing so much work for so little. Um, and you don't have the right enough people there. I mean, it just creates so many issues. And if you would just increase your prices, 
you could probably still make the same amount of profit that you're making now. And do significantly fewer jobs. And just doing less work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard Um, step to make, but uh, you're exactly right. And then, you know, and I think that the next one that I would say is just hire people. Like you have those people out there in your mind, at least that you wish you could hire like the dream people. Yes. And in my opinion, I, I think it would be better to go and hire that dream person uh, and make it stretch a little, maybe even like take a little bit out of my salary to be able to do it just so that, especially cause right now you're still, you're still just hiring like one at a time for the most part. Right. Um, it's not like you need five people at once. That's right. And you can find that one person and afford that one person and um, just move forward with them rather than someone that you're going to have to spend time training and oversight and then worrying about how the quality of their work and if they're showing up on time and their personal problems, all these different things, just hire the people that you wish you could. Um, and then from there, you know, let it grow your business the right way. And it, that is a lot easier if you do increase your prices. Um, the last one, and I, I think this one's the probably the most difficult, is you really do need to know where you're going. Um, that's kind of what you talked about with the not being a yes person and you know what are you good at, what's what's best for you. But you also need to know where you're going as a company and what the vision is and why it's your vision. Mm-hmm. And then with that, you have to communicate that to your team. Um, you know, if you're going to be increasing your prices, let your team know why. If you're going to be hiring the best people, let your team know why. Um, especially if you were not paying people, you know, high wages when they started, and then you're going and you're hiring someone at the same level that they've been promoted to over five times or whatever it is, or they're, you're going to pay this new person even more than your current employees you know, they have to know why you're doing that or else there will be resentment there. There will be issues. Uh, if you're going to only focus on the, you know, pre-finished cabinets, let them know why, because if you don't, they're gonna be like, man, I really loved working on furniture yes. or, oh, maybe we're doing terrible now. We can't, we, we don't, we're not uh, doing well financially, so we can't afford to do all these different things. I don't know, yeah. but it's not only a, a way of getting people on board with you. It's also a way of helping them understand business, um, which most people are curious about. Um, so anyways, those are my three things of, you know, increase your prices, hire the people that you really wish you could and know and communicate that why. Sure. That's good. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I, I want to kind of move us along into our segments. So tool of the day, Jeff, what is your, your tool? Yeah, you know, I kind of stumbled upon this one the other day called uh, it's called Crumble, um, C R M B L E, and it's a it's an add-on for Trello, which I'm a, kind of a geek about, and um, not kind of, I mean, I full am geeked out about Trello, but yeah. Crumble is kind of a it's kind of a really light uh, CRM for uh, for Trello, makes it really easy to the makes it really simple, like track your leads and kind of where you're at with some of your leads and jobs. And, and then it's also got a really cool little kind of graphing deal that goes with it. So you can kind of see where your leads are coming from. And, you know, you can even have different boards for different salespeople. If you have multiple salespeople and, and combine them into that graph. And it's kind of a neat little uh, tool. That's just, if you're not wanting a full blown CRM, but you definitely need something to kind of track 
uh, at least your currently yeah. your kind of your current pipeline type stuff. And it's a very simple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a very simple tool, and it's all on one board. So pretty cool. Nice. Mine, um, my tool of the day is dial pad. Um, and long story short, it's a, it's a digital phone number, um, that, you know, you can use it on your computer, on your, on your, uh, cell phone, on your tablet, whatever you want, but it's basically, um, you know, a phone on steroids, uh, really built for probably more salespeople, people that are dealing directly with, uh, customers and clients and man, it's great. It records every single call inbound or outbound. Um, it drops, integrates with a lot of software. So every single phone call I make to somebody it's recorded, it's dropped into our CRM where I can find it easily. It's also transcribed. So it will literally make like a script of that call. And then What's really nice about that is anybody on my team can search for a word and it pulls up all of the phone calls where we mentioned that one thing, Uh, whether it's an internal phone call between the team or between us and our our clients or leads or whatever it is. That's Um, pretty cool. So it it really is a very advanced thing, but um, it's it's really helpful. And I don't even know that we're using it to its full potential, but um, super helpful. Um, So... Yeah, with um, with this entire topic, Jeff, what is our one thing that we would say? Hey, if if you had to do one thing and you're in this stage and you haven't done it yet, what would it be? Well, no doubt it'd be like find that right hand man or that right hand person, you know, that that's gonna kind of walk alongside you and help drive that business and and take some of that load off of your plate. And for me, if you want to get past this threshold at least as a manufacturer, it makes sense to me. Um, you, you have, if I wouldn't have had that in place, I don't know that I would have ever got over that hurdle. Um, we may have bumped it, but I don't think we would ever got through the threshold and stayed through it. So for me, that one thing has got to be, you know, finding, finding that right hand man. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important and makes a huge impact. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. So the next, threshold I'm excited to talk about, but, um, yeah, you had already mentioned in the beginning how, you know, breaking that million was a huge goal. It was amazing to meet it. And that next year you went from 1.1 to 1.6. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm excited to, to kind of hear more about that story as we go into the next episode. Um, but for anybody, for anybody listening, I did want to also not forget to bring up that we are launching masterminds. Um, and there is one for the 500 to uh, 1 million threshold um, where we talk about finding that trusty right-hand man and how to train them properly, how to find them and what to look for um, in depth, uh, implementing identif- and identifying SOPs that you need, um, then creating strategies uh, in your shop for lean and using them effectively and how to improve them over time. Uh, how to begin automating your systems. Jeff just brought up Trello. I'm sure a lot of people in this stage are very interested in that. Um, They need to be organized and automated. Uh, How to create a long-lasting culture and, um, you know, how to define the culture that you you want. Um, Business strategies. um, He he mentioned accounting, you know, bookkeeping, um, you know, niching into a specific area, different things like that. 
We also talked about pricing. We're going to talk about, you know, increasing your prices, how to price your items, how to find your margins, those kinds of things. Uh, and then obviously you're going to be with a group in a group of people that are in the same threshold uh, where you get to learn from others that are also growing. You'll be in a private Facebook group uh, with these uh, individuals and you'll also get to do Q and a with someone who's been there. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll bring Looking in guest speakers as well for some of these masterminds. Yeah. It's going to be a great thing. So um yeah, really, really looking forward to it. And if you're interested I, in it, yeah, that's I'm so excited about that because I I can just I can remember this stage so well that to have something like that would have been just I mean would have been fantastic fantastic just to talk to somebody that's kind of gone through it and have somebody available for that. I mean, it was just it would be that's why I'm really excited about this just to see people that are kind of stuck in that same threshold and be able to you know, help them cross it and then just blow right through it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, if you are interested in that, it's in the, um, uh, show notes and you can go to the pushthrough.com and you can find it in our services tab as well. So, um, quick recap, talked about the 500 to 1 million threshold, um, talked about Jeff's experience with that breaking a million, a few months, uh, knowing a few months before the end of the year uh, that he wanted to do so and, and really pushing the team to do it. And everybody was on board and uh, they were super motivated to push past that million. Um, we talked about uh, identifying the problems in this threshold that, you know, you can recognize that you're in this threshold when it starts getting bigger than just you, when you're having hiring issues, when you realize that maybe the quality of the work's not where it needs to be or that the culture uh, is more pertinent to you at this time. You are recognizing your micromanagement, uh, that you are starting to nitpick or you've been nitpicking uh, every little thing in the business and on the shop floor. Um, and if you notice that you're just overworking in the business in general and not as much on it, uh, that's usually a good sign that you're in this threshold um, and problems that you're going to have in this stage. And Jeff's big points were fire yourself, find a right, right-hand man, and don't be a yes person. Uh, I also brought up that it's probably a good time to increase your prices, uh, that it's a good idea to hire the people that you wish you could, and that if you can know and communicate your why, that your team will be on board a lot better, uh, and you're going to know and have purpose in what you do. Um, yeah. So one thing would be find a, a right-hand man and uh, the next we'll, episode will be talking about a million to two million. We might even do one to three million. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, excited to jump into it. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for your time, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Thank you, listeners. And yeah, we will uh, see you next time. Thanks, Cleo. See you, man. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Push Through Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and visit thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com for exclusive content, articles, and more.